series called In the Meantime, and uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time catching up because we missed last week, of course. But the series is based around this question, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? And this is uh, scenarios, all kinds of different scenarios, and what, unfortunately what happens is it changes our lifestyle uh, for the worse. It could be relationships. Relationships are a biggie. We say that when relationships are good, life's good. When relationships are bad, life's bad. So it could be a, uh, in a husband-wife relationship. It used to be good. It was good for a while, and now it's not so good, and it's not been good for a while. And maybe you've even tried the counseling thing, and that doesn't seem to help. And you, you don't want to quit, but you don't know how to move ahead, and it just doesn't look like anything's going to change. She doesn't want to change. You don't want to change. It could be in a parent-child relationship. Um, you know, parents just don't understand you. The parents don't, you know, whatever. Or as a parent, you just don't understand what your child's doing or not doing or why aren't they trying to get ahead or why are they making these bad decisions from one after another. Uh, one thing I've become acutely aware of this past week is, or past couple of weeks is the aging parent situation. And how difficult it is to see your parents aging and, and they used to take care of you and now you've got to take care of them and, and you don't want it to end, <laughs> but you don't see any uh, end to the fact that, that you're going to have to keep helping them. So that's difficult. It can be vocationally, you're, you lost your job or you're in a dead-end job or a job you don't like or a job you just, uh, you know, it's at your wit's end. Maybe you lost a job, you need a job. Maybe you're wanting to do some other, something else than what you're doing, and so you're, you don't know what to do vocationally. Then it could be financially. You maybe lost your house, or because you lost your job, you lost your house, or you've been unwise in your finances, and now you've got this, all this debt, and, and it just doesn't look like there's any way out of it. So it could be financial. It could be health-wise, especially as I get, I get older, <laughs> I'm aware of that. Uh, you wake up with an ache or pain you never had before, and you go to the doctor, and there's no cure for it, but it's not going to kill you, so it's just something you've got to learn to live with. So we call this your new norm, uh, this new lifestyle that's different and not what you would choose, but it's not going to change. And what really is hard about it, it, it affects your dreams. You know, I had this dream of doing this, or I dream of happy marriage for 50 years, or I had this dream of my kids, you know, changing the world, or I had this dream of, you know, retiring uh, comfortably, and, and it's gone, and there's no way of getting it back, and that's it, just difficult. So I tend, when we get in these in-the-meantime situations, we tend to believe some lies, and, and these are lies we've been talking about. First, I'll never be happy again. You know, my marriage was great for a while, but, you know, <laughs> as long as we stay married, I'm never going to be happy again. You know, it was great the kids were little, now they've gotten to be teenagers and they're out of control and, you know, I'm never going to be happy again. Um, financially, whatever the situation may be, I'm I just never going to be happy again. And that's a lie. That's not true. Uh, secondly, nothing good can come from this. Nothing good can come from this, right? My marriage, my finances, my vocation, nothing good can come from this, right? Now, again, that's a lie. But you don't want somebody like me to get up here and tell you, yeah, something good can come from this. Look at this character in the Bible. You know, it was bad, and then it turned good. You don't want to hear that. You want to get up and tell your sad story, right? 
And I, I might agree with you. I don't think anything good can come of this. I, I don't know. I just know it's a lie. And then sometimes we get to the, to the end of our wits, so to speak. We just, there's no point in continuing. No, I'm, I'm going to bail on the marriage. I'm going to bail on trying to be you know, financially responsible. I'm going to bail on uh, trying to be a good person. Uh, why should I try and do right? You know, it, doesn't, it hasn't worked out good, good for me. And then unfortunately, some people even get to the point where they don't want to continue their lives. Now, these are all lies, but this is what we tend to believe when we're in that kind of tough situation. It doesn't seem that anything you can do, nothing's going to change. Now, last time, two weeks ago, we gave you a card, and the front of the card looked like this, and we said the first, as early or first thing in the morning as you can, read this card or quote this card or repeat this card, and my wife and I has our sitting on our, on our uh, <clears throat> vanity because the first place we both go in the morning is to the sink. And so uh, if we don't remember to do it before we got up, once we get up, we do that. And then that, that is uh, what we say. I can't, God. I can't, I can't keep going in this marriage. I can't keep going financially. I can't keep going with my health. And, but you can't. And then we gave the flip side of the card. We said, this is the last thing you do before you go to bed at night is teach me the mystery of Christ in me. I couldn't explain it last week. We talked about it, and you can check it out online if you weren't here. I can't really explain it. I just know it's true. And so God, teach me this mystery of Christ in me that you can get me through uh, this situation. And so he summarized up last week, because really, the t- or two weeks ago, last time, really our topic was this, learn the secret of contentment. Wouldn't you like to be content, especially when that in the meantime situation, uh, not resign yourself, but be content. And the way to do that is Christ in you, empowering you. I can't do this, God, you can do this in me. So that was last, uh, last time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Have you ever told your, let's sit down for this. <laughs> Have you ever told a person or a group of people your sad story? And whatever it is about your marriage, or about your kids, or about your finances. And you do that hoping to get some sympathy, right? Oh, I'm sorry that you're going through that. And then they come back with their sad story. And the more they tell you their sad story, the more you're feeling stupid that you told them your sad story. Because your sad story is nowhere near as bad as theirs. And on top of that, when you're kind of falling apart in this situation, they seem to be going great. Maybe not great, but they're, they've got it together and they're still, you know, trusting God in this situation and you don't understand how they can do it. So their sad story trumps your sad story. <clears throat> and what we do is we so often focus on what's not happening. By the way, Jonas that prayed for the snow, he's my grandson. Some of you don't know. <laughs> uh, pretty cool story. But uh, we focus on what doesn't happen. Our, my prayers that aren't answered. The situation's not getting better. My health's not getting better. Instead of focusing what is happening. 
And if we look at the characters in the New Testament and the people that wrote the New Testament, it's interesting that they don't seem to have a conflict, a problem with the fact that a good God would let bad things happen to good people. It's come with kind of an American thing. There's other parts of the world that uh, Jesus' followers don't do that. But we have this concept somehow, and us guys, people that stand up front and teach this stuff, somehow we've misled some of you, I think. Uh, yes, God's a good God, but we live in a fallen world, and bad things happen to everybody, right? And, you know, sometimes we think if I'm just a little bit better, better things will happen. Well, that's not necessarily true, and we're going to going to kind of look at that a little bit this morning. But the folks in the New Testament, that wasn't, that wasn't an issue for them. In fact, it was an expectation. Life's tough. And so consequently, what do you do? Now, it's amazing to me that this thing we call Christianity survived. If you go back 2,000 years ago, <laughs> Jesus had these 12 disciples, wound up 11 disciples, uh, kind of a... a a sect or a, a part of Judaism. And the leaders of Judaism thought they were heretics, and so they were trying to get rid of, quote-unquote, the, the follower, the way, or Jesus followers, Christians. So, so the Jewish church was trying to get rid of them, uh, Judaism. And then, of course, the Romans were in control of the world, and they didn't appreciate Christianity. So between them, they, they crucified Jesus, so how in the world did this little group survive the first century, much less? Today, maybe two billion people are, in some respect, uh, believers in, in Jesus. It's just amazing it would survive. So it isn't because of good things happening, right? Good things certainly didn't happen to the folks in the, in the first century. So today we're going to start with a, a different topic and we're calling it, believe it or not, in all our circumstances in life, you and I have a choice to believe something or not. And uh, today we're going to talk about um, this, this concept of belief. Let me put the word up there, belief. And, but specifically, a, a type of belief. When we're in these in-the-meantime situations, there's something specifically that you and I are supposed to believe. Now, I'm going to warn you ahead of time, it's, it's just complete opposite of what you and I think we should believe, or we do believe, intuitively believe. Now, I wouldn't say this, <laughs> but Jesus said a lot of things I wouldn't say. For example, Jesus said, don't worry. And then Paul later said, don't worry about anything. And if you were to tell me your story... In fact, some of you do. Uh, I would probably say, yeah, if I was you, I'd be worried. In fact, part of my struggle as a pastor is when I hear your story, I worry for you if I'm not careful. Uh, I need to be empathetic and pray for you, but I, I, I shouldn't worry for you. So Jesus said some things like that. He said, be perfect, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, bit later. But we're going to look at a guy by the name of James, something he wrote. And he's going to say something that I wouldn't say to you. <laughs> but it's not something I can do, or not I can do all the time. Now, James is an interesting character. He had a really famous brother. Who is James' brother? Come on. Jesus. He's Jesus' half-brother. Now, if you read the stories of Jesus in, in the New Testament, the f interesting thing is, 
James is never mentioned. So Jesus had siblings. We don't know how many and of what sex, but we know he, he had at least one half-brother. And none of his, of his siblings are mentioned. So G, James was not a quote-unquote Jesus follower when Jesus was teaching and when Jesus was doing miracles and even when Jesus was crucified. But then when the church gets started, James, become, James and Peter became kind of like the co-leaders of the church. So what changed for James? Now, I like, to, I like to think about these things. What would your sibling, your brother, have to do to convince you that he is the Messiah? I have two siblings, and my answer is nothing. <laughs> There's nothing they could do to convince me that they're the Messiah. Could you imagine growing up with Jesus as your brother? Pretty fascinating thing to think about. But James came to believe after the resurrection. It transforms James' belief about his brother uh, Jesus. So we're going to look at something he wrote. Um, and let me just say this up front. I don't know what you read during the week. I read bl- blogs and stuff every day and Facebook stuff. Uh, that was written that day or day before. We've got the opportunity, and you and I, to read something that the brother of Jesus wrote 2,000 years ago. So I don't know. It seems to me that's pretty important. It should be uh, impress us a little bit at least. So here, we're going to start looking at where, where, what he wrote right from the beginning. So he says, I'm James. I'm a slave or a servant of God. And many of you would say you're a servant or Jesus follower. Again, if you're not, we're glad that you're here. But here's the interesting part. And of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is Jesus, my brother, that I'm claiming is the Messiah. So as the Messiah, he is my Lord. He is my boss. I am bowing to him. Remember that story about Joseph and how his brothers <laughs> didn't want to bow to him? Uh, none of us want to bow to our brother, would we? But this is James saying, hey, this is real. You need to believe it. And he's writing to mostly Jewish believers, and he addresses them as brothers and sisters. Then he gets to his topic. When troubles or trials or problems, notice it doesn't say if. (laughs) Okay? It's when. Life's tough. When troubles of any kind come your way, relationship problems, financial problems, health problems, any kind, consider it. We have an option to believe something or not. Consider it. Now, here's the interesting word. An opportunity. Doesn't sound much like an opportunity, does it? And then he says something really outrageous. He says, an opportunity for great joy. And most of you us in that in the meantime situation think that's the last thing <laughs> I'm thinking about. I haven't experienced joy for years. We, I, I'm thinking, he's, this, this is crazy. This is just silly. What in the world is he talking about? But he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, just, just, just listen, you know, listen to what I have to say, read what I've written. You and I have the opportunity to consider it a, a time of great joy. We decide on our mindset as we deal with these situations, as we face these situations. And really what he's describing here is something that we get by surprise, you know, that you get that phone call. I remember, Jared, you're here somewhere. Yeah. 
Uh, when he was 15, he had a female friend that he was visiting on his pedal bike, and he was coming back in the evening, and uh, we get the phone call. There's been an accident. Uh, he was hit by a large pickup truck. Could have killed him. You know, he, you know, I stayed, and Deb, Deb went, and uh, you get that, that, that call. You get that letter. Fortunately, I mean, not fortunately, he broke his leg. Fortunately, he didn't die, you know, get killed, and, and of course, those things heal up. But that, that kind of thing, that surprise, um, you know, the doctor report, uh, you know, <laughs> the letter from the IRS, you know, whatever it might be, that's surprise. When that surprise come, you and I had the opportunity to consider it great joy. So before we just kind of say, James, you're crazy, let's just <laughs> go through the rest of what he has to say. For you know, or knowing... When your faith is tested, now we know this intuitively, if you're a Jesus follower, that when we have difficulties, it's a test, right? And when it's a surprise, it's like a pop quiz in school. Nobody likes them, and none of us really like tests because it stretches us, and, and it's an opportunity for us to fail, right? Nobody likes to fail. He said, when your faith is tested, that's what's going on in, this, in the meantime, Your endurance or your perseverance or your patience has a chance to grow. Now, those are good things, and we want good things to grow. Lots of you have children. You want them to grow grow healthy bodies. You want them to grow. Hopefully, we grow, you know, emotionally more stable, and uh, intellectually, we grow through our lifetime. So, this problem is an oppor- a test, and we have the opportunity for our faith to grow. In fact, we're going to put it up on the screen this way. Trials test our confidence in God. We use the words faith and belief, but really what it boils down to is confidence in God. Do I really believe God? Do I really trust Him? And when things are pretty good, it's pretty easy. When things are tough, and they don't look like they're going to change, or maybe they're going to get worse, then we start, I don't know if I believe there's a good God or not. God that loves me. But what he says is that trials produce enduring faith. Not little faith, not failing faith, but enduring faith. Are you impressed with somebody that, you know, kind of, they pray and the prayer gets answered and the life goes pretty easily? And, you know, I had this problem, I prayed about it one day, and it was answered the next. Now, that's a little intimidating, but I'm not impressed with people like that. And what happens is, for you and I, when I hear that, or we hear that, we say, okay, tell me what you actually, you know, tell me what you said, because I want to get the results you got. And so it's kind of like a little uh, magic, uh, manipulating God. Um, I'm not really falling in love with God, I'm just wanting to know the formula, (laughs) to get me out of my situation. But what is God really up to? We say it often, God's more concerned about your character than your comfort. Where do we get the idea that God wants to be comfortable? Those of you who are parents, is your goal to make your kids comfortable all the time? Uh Ah, you don't have to do your schoolwork. Just be comfortable. Just watch TV all the time. 
And that's, it doesn't even make sense, does it? And the same thing with God. It's, he wants us, to, and you, you make your life uncomfortable, your children's lives uncomfortable sometimes, for them to mature, right, and to grow. And God does the same thing for us. So then he gets to what's called an imperative. This is an order. This is a command uh, in the next verse. And here it is. So let it grow. Don't, eh, I'll let it grow if I want to or I don't feel like it. No, he said, let it grow. This is <laughs> instruction. This is order. If you're Jesus follower, this is the command. Uh, this is not an optional thing. We so often think they're optional. It's not optional. It says, in, those, in the meantime situations, let it grow. Why? Why would I do that? Well, when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, lack, needing nothing or lacking nothing. Now, there is a point where your faith grows to deal with the situation. And he calls that fully developed. Now, the word perfect means, literally, it's the word complete. <laughs> so it's complete and complete, or completely complete. Is another way of saying that. So it is completed, and it says needing nothing or lacking nothing it, for that situation, not in to- all of life. He's talking about that specific uh, situation. So, if I was to ask you, what is the greatest tension in your life? What is the thing that you pray about first and foremost? What is the thing that you t- tend to worry about? We're not supposed to worry, right? <laughs> tend to worry about. And James is saying that is the place in your life that there's a test. Testing your faith. And you're supposed to let it grow. You're supposed to let it mature. You're supposed to let it develop. <clears throat> Now, some of you may have walked away from church somewhere along the line. Or maybe you're just checking us out, thinking, hey, maybe I ought to check this church thing out again. It's interesting, as a pastor, I hear this a lot. And um, it's interesting, and there's always exception. When people tell me, you know, I was a teenager, a young adult, I kind of, you know, went my own, did my own thing, I left the God thing behind, church thing, the Bible thing, praying thing behind. Rarely, 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 I don't think I've ever heard this. Well, you know what? My life really got turned out great. My relationships got better. My finances got better. I was a better person. I was more mature. I was more generous. Uh, That all happened when I walked away from God. I don't hear that. And one reason I see people come back to church and to God is because... When I left God behind, stuff started falling apart. Maybe not right away, but eventually. And so, you know, my first marriage was a disaster, and now I'm in my second marriage, and that's not much better, or whatever it might be. Didn't get better walking away from God. It doesn't get better bailing on your in-the-meantime situation. Now, some of us that stand up front and, and teach this stuff, I think we've misguided you in this area too. How do you become mature as a Jesus follower? Now, we tend to think, well, I'll just read the Bible a lot and study the Bible a lot and memorize the Bible a lot. Well, that's good. It'll make you smarter, but it might necessarily make you more Mature. Well, if I do, I'll follow all the rules. I'll do all the do's and don't do all the don'ts. Well, that'll make you obedient, and that's good, but it won't necessarily make you mature. (laughs) The only thing, and unfortunately, we don't want to hear this, 
The only way that your faith and my faith is made mature is by being tested. And so, put the statement up. Spiritual maturity is always measured in terms of enduring faith, not perfect behavior. Because it doesn't make sense because none of us have perfect behavior anyway, do we? We just think, hey, if I stop doing this bad habit or that, that makes me more mature. Not, not necessarily. It's enduring faith. Have you ever met those people that are so good they make you sick? They never do anything wrong. They just seem to always do it right. Uh, again, it, it's not inspiring. It's a little intimidating, but it's not inspiring, is it? And sometimes if, if, you, if, you, if you see their story, read their story, listen to their story, you know, they had great parents, they had great siblings, and they were financially secure, they got to go to a good school, they got out of school and got this great job, they found this person they just seemed to be really compatible with, even their kids are disgust, disgustingly, you know, perfect, you know, it's just, you know, it's not inspiring, is it? But then you meet somebody that life's been tough. Maybe their parents split up, and, or maybe they're a single parent. Yet in the midst of those difficulties, they're just scraping by. They have this faith. They just, you know, it's, it's more mature than mine. They're trusting God to get them, you know, food and pay the bills next week. Again, that's a little intimidating also, but that's inspiring, isn't it? And maybe I don't have that kind of faith, but I'm glad that that faith exists, aren't you? And maybe someday I could get there. And when they tell their story, it might not be with Sunday school language, it might be with some four-letter words, but it's still inspiring because their faith is mature. They don't have perfect behavior, but their faith is maturing. Again, this is a command. And if you're a Jesus follower, we can say, eh, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Now, James realizes this is hard, and we'll try and finish up here pretty quickly. So he gives us some, some encouragement. He gives us some, 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 something practical to do in this next verse. He says, if you need wisdom, meaning you need an answer, you need to know what to do in this situation, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. There's an there's an answer out there. Not that the situation may change, but there is something you and I can do. And God says it's available. And he, won't, he doesn't get mad at you or me for asking. In fact, he wants us to ask. So when we get blindsided, when we get surprised, um, ask. So we're going to summarize it this way. Wisdom is the ability to see current circumstances within a broader context. Now, you parents understand this too, right? <laughs> if you've got a kid maybe in middle school and they come home and say, oh, my best friend hates me. It's horrible. My whole world's falling apart. Or, you know, the first you know, puppy love experience, but puppy love is real love to the puppy, right? Oh, I was, in, you know, this per- I was their boyfriend or girlfriend, and now, you know, they've gone moved on to somebody else. And you empathize or sympathize with that child. But at back of your mind, what are you thinking? I wish all I had was middle school problems, right? They don't know what problems are. But you're able to see 
the broader context. You know, next week they'll have a different boyfriend or girlfriend, and that, you know, that friend will come back next week. You can see the broader context. So that's the wisdom, the ability to see the broader context. So here's a little prayer you can pray. Give me wisdom, God, to see as you see. Now, it's hard, and it's hard to do that, but not completely, but you can see, hey, yeah, yeah, God is up to something. When we're confused, don't know what to do, where to turn. And then he gives us a warning, James does. He says, but when you ask, be sure that you really expect him to answer. That's meaning believe, right? For a doubtful mind is unsettled as a wave of the sea and is driven and tossed by the wind. That's when we, we kind of say, oh, it's, a, it's a command, but I don't know if I want to believe it or not, or if I want to do it or not. That's being you know, wavering. Or, yeah, I'd rather do what, you know, my friends are doing that aren't Jesus followers than what Jesus followers should be doing. So we can see a, a, bigger, a bigger plan. It's not that obeying is optional. And he finishes, and we're going to finish with this this morning. Such people shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, not anything in general, but anything as far as helpful to get you through this in the meantime situation. So when your life is turned upside down, when your lifestyle has changed, there's a new normal. When it doesn't seem like there's, there's any way out, anything's going to get any better. Bring up the next slide, please. Believe God is at work in you to mature you. Our tendency is to what? <laughs> when things aren't going good, we, we tendency is to not believe that God is at work. Because if he was, good things would be happening. But this only makes sense. Some of us use some muscles this week that we don't normally use, right? And then we had to use heating pads and other things <laughs> to help with that. But when I do snow shoveling, and I did a, did a lot, if you've been to my house, you know how long my driveway is. When I go out and shovel, I don't say, oh, i got to go shovel. I say, hey, this is my exercise for today. And especially as I get older, I need to exercise my muscles. That's important. So when the situations come, and we're going to summarize it as, as shortly as we can with this. In the meantime, endure to mature. Endure to mature. Keep shoveling to make your muscles stronger. Endure to mature. And we're going to be, give you a prayer. And I'm going to encourage you to say this prayer out loud, not in a crowd, but, you know, at home. Just say this prayer out loud. It's something about hearing it as well as reading it. Heavenly Father, I believe you will use this until you choose to remove this. In the meantime, grant me wisdom to see as you see and strength to do as you say. And I'm going to end with this. Folks, this is, if you're a Jesus follower, this is more important than just for you. Because when you and I can do this, this is what attracts other people to Jesus. When you and I can hold it together, in fact, even have joy, not laughter, but joy in the midst of difficulties, other people see that and say, hey, I am not able to do that. How, do you, how can you do that? What are you doing? And then we can point them to Jesus. So we'll finish this series up next week. Hopefully you can join us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. 
Thank you for giving meaning to these difficult situations that seem to have no purpose. Give us eyes to see what you see, the bigger picture. And we thank you for James who (laughs) grew up with Jesus yet came to believe he truly is or you are, truly are who you said you are. And we thank you that you, you gladly accept our prayer for answers, at least strength, perspective, as we go through the in-the-meantime situations. God, I, I don't mean to make fun or belittle anybody's situations. I know, I've heard some of them, and some of them are really, really tough. But you have a purpose maybe other purposes, but a basic purpose of growing our faith, our dependence on you, our confidence in you, God. And for those of you who are not Jesus followers here this morning, we would just like to invite you to, to step across the line, accept God's gracious gift, and you can have a personal relationship with the Almighty and your sins forgiven and the assurance that what difficulties in life, God can work good. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You got your connection card. We'll collect those later. Let us know uh, what God's uh, saying to you or decisions you might be making. Thank you.